And I think in five years, they're going to bring back cleavage, but it's not going to be the breast cleavage. It's going to be lower than the belly button cleavage. We've got to just remain calm here and not think of this as the first time that I've undone my pants in front of a woman that wasn't my wife since about 19... Uh... Hey, welcome to The Bitter's Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage, as usual, here under the uh, flight path. At Los Angeles International Airport. Now, yeah, I, you know, former stay-at-home dad, currently a struggling Los Angeles actor, I guess. I mean, I do I still? Hello? Hello, agent? Am I still, am I still an actor? Okay. Um, and I say former stay-at-home dad because uh, the kids are at school most of the day, I, I, I guess. Although that's all I do is dad and husband all day long. What was the other thing? Oh, I, yeah, whatever. So I just I just spent a couple of minutes recording myself complaining about my equipment, my, my audio equipment. These are these are recordings that you listen to, obviously, that I record in my garage. I've been doing this uh, since 2004. And so you'd think I would have it down really kind of, uh, 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 science. And I kind of do. But around the holidays. I was going to buy some new equipment and I kind of didn't kind of didn't, but what I really need, I think is a new mixer, which is the thing that the microphone plugs into halfway between the microphone and the, I guess the computer in a way, let's not get too complicated, but anyway, I'm pretty sure I need a new mixer. You know what that is. Let's not, right. But I didn't get one because I I thought some guy, there's this guy, he maybe was going to give me some microphones and then I did want to buy a, new other kind of mic, whatever. So I didn't get the mixer. And so I still don't have the mixer, but my old mixer is doing this weird thing where every once in a while I have to unplug the microphone to let out some sort of static electricity or something. And then you can hear me. So if while I'm talking, if my voice, I really wish you could just interrupt me because if my voice gets too quiet and I don't realize because I'm just in the throw of one of these amazing stories that I don't, you know, that um, you could kind of interrupt me, I wish, and say, you know, I can't hear you. So every once in a while, and hopefully I'll just do it serendipitously. What's the word I'm looking for there? Forget it. Secretly, that um. Anyway, I wasn't. I I just didn't want to go into that. I didn't want to go into that. I really didn't, because that should be transparent to you, my friend, shouldn't it? That that. You should just be driving your car because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I was thinking to myself, self, you really can't live without these podcasts. Like you really need, am I saying like all the time? You really need, honestly, Dan, three or four more podcasts because by the time Sunday, Monday comes around when the podcasts that you tend to listen to come out, you're right. You've run out. And so you need blah, blah, yeah, yeah. But it got me thinking. Although the, the podcasts that I listen to are very good. So I, I shouldn't rest on my laurels. I know that. But I but I started to realize that. That uh, I started thinking about the kind of the companionship element of these recordings and how I may keep you company in the way other people keep me company. Does that make sense? And I don't mean keep company in the lonely, like lonely way. And we're going to talk about loneliness, my friend. But what I mean is just. That's just what I mean. You know, because, okay, this is what I've realized lately. I think that I'm very lonely. A lot. And I honestly think, and and this is kind of the depressing part. And I'm, maybe I won't linger on this part too much. I think that I even feel lonely when everyone else in my family is at home. And I don't know if that's because I don't know what that is, because see, I'm home alone a lot, especially this calendar year. I've just been home doing paperwork, doing our tax, right? All that taxes and financial uh, aid stuff and all that rigmarole. And so I'm alone all the time, except with the dog. And honestly, I don't count the dog because the dog really does not afford me any companionship like he seems to do the rest of the family. And I've said this a hundred times and I won't, I won't belabor it, 
The dog is chores to me. It's not company. So I spent a lot of time alone and I started thinking about the vast periods of my life where I've been alone and kind of lonely. And I think I might wallow in it a little bit because when I was young, every couple of years we would move. We would put all our stuff back into moving boxes, brand new moving, but we didn't save. We should have just saved the moving boxes. Really an entire rainforest could have been saved from destruction if we had just kept our moving boxes like in the basement or whatever. And then every time we moved, which was every really honestly every two or three years when I was a kid, we could just get the old boxes out, retape them, fill them back up, move them along, right? So I think I think that that kind of set maybe set the stage for me being a generally lone a lonely <laughs> that'll be my new term a lonely because the truth is I I I um relish being alone but I think it's also um kind of weird and not working that I'm alone so much and I I'm trying to figure that out right now as as we speak so i mean i'm not going i mean this conversation is going nowhere i'm just telling you my friend as a friend just you to me that that's one of the things that i kind of am thinking about a lot right now is just you know they you know they say well you know you're alone in this life you die alone you're alone you know that, that wow it's really true but i even sometimes feel like that when the house is full because everyone else will be doing something and i'll be washing the dishes or i'll f- at least feel that way. Does that make sense? See, we recently signed back up for Netflix for the one month. They, they sent me an email. Hey, Dan, you can have a free month again. You know, it's been that long. It's been a month or a year since your last free month. You can have another free, you want a free month? And so, um, I, I like Netflix streaming. I'm going to be honest with you. I like it a lot because if you find something on there, you want to watch, you just push the button and it begins. Now, why Amazon streaming can't work that out again, right? Is it, is the technology so different? Yeah, I think it is actually, Dan. Oh, okay. So the point is, so every year or so, whatever, every once in a while, we'll get Netflix for a couple months or whatever. And right now we have Netflix. And whenever we get Netflix, I go through Netflix and I look at all the movies and I say to myself, hey, you know, Dan, you could really learn something here. You know, you could really educate yourself on many different topics. There are all these great documentaries on there. And, you know, you you like movies, but you could really learn maybe about the history of movies and, and watch all these movies that you're supposed to have seen. And I'm talking about, you know, Godard and uh, Fellini and uh, Truffaut and uh, Bergman or not Bergman. Yeah, Bergman and, you know, those people. And so I load my instant queue up with Bergman and Fellini. I've got eight and a half on there and the woman that the thing with whatever. And uh, I can't think of any of the names now, the, uh, the, the uh, whatever. But I fill my queue with all these movies that I think I should see by foreign directors, black and white movies with harsh lighting, with dramatic symbolism, with coquettish French chicks. I fill my, right? You fill the instant message cube, cube, cube. Well, maybe it is a cube. And then I spend the rest of the month watching uh, 30 Rock. Again, every episode of 30 Rock, because I just can't get enough of that Liz Lemon. (laughs) Oh, Jack. I've seen 30 Rock. I mean, I, I I, I think I've seen every episode of the first, you know, six seasons. I don't even watch them while they're on. I just watch them when I get Netflix, but I watch them and they keep me company while I'm doing right. I'm sorting laundry. I've got 30 rock on in the background. And I'm not bettering my PC because you can't sort laundry. Right. And watch the seventh seal. It's not going to work out for you. You have to sit and watch the seventh seal to really understand what the hell's going on. Right, so you can't have the seventh seal in the background, but you can have Tracy Jordan in the background. Absolutely. Especially if it's episodes that you know by heart. Okay. 
Now, the reason that I didn't watch 30 Rock when it was on is um, uh, I think my wife, well, basically my wife isn't as big a Tina Fey fan as I am. And part of that is I, maybe they're, they're too similar. And so she doesn't, right, like want to get on the, the Tina Fey train. But also my wife found it very objectionable and she's not that prudish, but she did not feel it was necessary to see Tina Fey's cleavage for seven years. And when I say cleavage, I don't even know if cleavage is the word. What is the word for the space between a woman's breasts? That's right. Because to me, cleavage, cleavage requires the touching of the breasts and then pressing against each other, creating that cleavage. Isn't that what cleavage is specifically cleavage? So if a woman has smaller breasts, if she's more uh, athletically built or whatever you want to put that, right? And I'm not saying that women with, I'm not saying that's too, I'm saying that's a wonderful thing. I'm just saying on your average normal day, a woman doesn't have, by my definition, cleavage. Cleavage is something you that most women with probably normal breasts have to achieve by force of will, by getting a bra that doesn't just hold them up, but kind of in, right? Okay, so if you're not where, if you're just a normal woman on a normal show or you're a normal woman at your work, like right now, a normal woman who's not pushing them together, what's that space? What do you call that? Is that cleavage too? Or is cleav- does cleavage by definition require that they're, they're touching each other? What if they're not touching and there's the space, the, you know, the space, that lovely, lovely space, that lovely space that everyone at the Golden Globes was taking full advantage of. I really, honestly, see, that used to be the thing was cleavage and you'd have like your neckline would go down and show cleavage. Now, whatever the space is, is up for grabs on the TV shows, the award shows. So now all the dresses go right. Like we're going to get a little clinical here. They cover the, the Oreos, but expose the, whatever we're discussing, whatever that thing is we're discussing. And then sometimes they're so open, they cover them, but then the space were into the belly button. And I think in five years, they're going to bring back cleavage, but it's not going to be the breast cleavage. It's going to be lower than the belly button cleavage in the front. That seems to be the only place where we're right where we could possibly be heading. Oh, wait, my, my wife is texting me. Hold on a second. It's Saturday. It's divide and conquer. So anyway, um, yeah. So, yes, front cleavage. That, that's my prediction. For the future, as I become a crotchety old man and things start to happen that I don't understand, technologically, uh, we will eventually overpass me completely, socially, blah, blah, blah. And I think the day that I will just give up will be the day we have lower front cleavage. Okay, okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, Adamant has a new album. I'm sure you've been waiting for 17 years with bated breath for me to finally be able to say those words to say to you, oh my God, hey, Adamant has a new album out. And, you know, I was going to try to resist because I'm really like uh, so completely a full grown man and really like, why, why is a full grown man and right obsessed with an 80s pop star that really, honestly, let's face it, he, he dresses in marching band outfits. I mean, this is not right. A man of my age who really wanted to seem kind of hip and together should be talking about Mumford and Sons or I don't know. What would be a cool hip thing? For, like a guy might, you know, an adult guy, a guy might, which I probably should be into like, what's that? What's that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank now. But like Bon Iver, is that what I should be listening to? Something like that? That seems boring to me. I know. I, it, but it's, it, it would be so much better to be at a cocktail party and goes, what are you listening to? Ah, uh, uh, bon Iver. I mean, I just, I just deep down, I honestly am very aware that that would sound so much cooler, but I find Adam Matt much more interesting. Listen, he, right. He had a, a few problems. Sure. A couple uh, years ago, he threw uh, a carburetor through a pub window or something. He was in the mental ward. I know I, I, I get it, 
So he's back and better than ever. This new album came out. I was kind of waiting 17 tracks of brand new Adamant. Oh, God, the poor guy. I mean, some of the songs are great. Some of the songs are like, wow, really? You really recorded that, huh? <laughs> really? Okay. And I wanted to just kind of dismiss the whole thing. And then, of course, half of it grows on me. So now half of it I just love. Half of it I wish he had never exposed me to. But I'm in desperate need of uh, something to listen to. So if you have any recommendations, maybe I should give, because my nephew said I should listen to Bon Iver. Is that how you say it? And listen, I mean, I listen to all this young people music because I have a teenage son. So it's not like I'm completely out of whack. It's just I need something. You know what it is? I don't get into anything anymore musically. That's something that young people do. I think it's because we had time then. We had time when we were young people to really get into something. And my friend Billy Boy still seems to, although I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, maybe now that he has a kid, he doesn't have that time anymore either. Like, I don't get into music anymore. I love it. I enjoy it. I'm fascinated by it, whatever. But I can't, like, dive deep into something like I used to. Something that would require multiple listings, listening, right? That kind of thing. So I end up listening to, you know, fun period and foster the people and all these bands that are really like either, you know, you hear it on the radio so many times anyway, and you're just like, yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like thrift shop. Sure. You know, I, I guess I mean, it's awesome, but is it really, I mean, what's rounding out on the other end? It's like the balance between novelty, kind of novelty music and pop and then deeper something that you could really kind of, it's way off. When I have the same right listening habits as my 13-year-old son, I, I think something's gone off the rails. Well, it's that, but it's also the nostalgia thing. Back to my theory that at a certain age, whether it's 19 or 22 or 24 or something, you just kind of grind to a halt. And that's what you listen to for the rest of your life. And if you're lucky, it's something decent. And if you're not lucky, you know, I, you know, I don't know what it is. REO Speedwagon or uh, Boys to Men. I have no idea. I'm worried about my uh, my shrink. I had a new shrink who was a listener to the show. And um, Dr. Uh, a. And Dr. A, basically, you know, there are a few people, there are some people that listen to the show. And then of the people that listen, you know, and, and I'm not trying to pressure you into anything, but some of the people actually interact with me. And that's kind of this small group of people. And Dr. A was one of those small group of people who interacts with me. By the way, RZ, nice to finally hear from you again. Martin, thank you. Spencer, doctor, Dr. Spencer. So Dr. A and I would correspond every once in a while uh, via the Facebook. And, and I had posed to her the question, or no, I had posed, was it on the show even? Or was it through Facebook? Because I was trying to get to basically trying to get to the bottom of the fact that could I really just put myself through Freudian analysis if I had a recording of a licensed psychotherapist saying to me, well, how does that make you feel? Because I had I had this very strong belief that honestly, that's really what most psychoanalysis is, is just making you be self-reflective for an hour. Now, what I would do the one or two times, I think I've been, I wasn't a therapist t- twice, maybe three times if you count that other guy, but I can't get into that. So t- two or three times. And really what I would do is material. You know, I would, well, not material, but I would tell him, like, he would ask me like, well, you know, how's your relationship with your uh, parents or whatever? And I would tell him that I would, but I was trying to be so, ch- right? We never really got down to the thing because I'm trying to be like charming and insightful instead of just talking and like whatever. So I really got, I really do have this theory, but I really want it to, I don't want it to be just a random friend. I want it to be a real psychologist or uh, at least a sociologist or something, not to put down social, you know, you understand what I mean. Someone who actually, right? Because my brain needs that little trick. Okay. So I had said in a couple shows ago, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, how does that, how do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. However she wanted to put it, but I suggested she maybe send me a recording or something. And I think she was going to charge me her, uh, you know, hourly rate or something. And she wrote on Facebook 
that she had never done that before, that she had never done that cliched, you know, Lorraine Bracca on Sopranos, cross your legs and lean forward and go, well, how does that make you feel? Which I was quite disappointed in. I'll tell you the truth. Her claim is that she's never done that ever. I don't know where she went to school. That they didn't cover this. I mean, you would think psychology 101. Maybe not 101, because maybe you're still trying to cover the basics. But right before, like some part of your residency, they'd be, by the way, you really just cross your legs, lean forward. How do you feel about that? And you're golden. So she posted on Facebook, my doc, my shrink, my current shrink, that she had never done that before. And, um, and then a couple weeks later, I finally got around and I was going to respond to her and, and the comment was not there. And so I think she's off Facebook, which is fine. People do that. That's a normal thing, I think, for people to do. Is that a normal thing? I just hope everything's okay. So doctor, I'm not even sure if you're, are you, you're a doctor. Of course you're a doctor. You're Dr. A, right? I hope you're okay. I hope everything's fine. I always worry about people. I told you this before. If I, if I think of an old friend and I can't find them on the internet in 20 minutes, I assume they're dead. I just hope everything's okay. I hope you're not being stalked by some crazy internet identity theft master stalking. I don't know what. Because the weird thing about being a shrink is I have to assume at a certain point you're going to have to deal with someone who's crazy. And that can't be good. So Dr. A, I hope you're okay. Dr. Spencer, you cannot fill in because I don't think you're a head doctor. I think you're a real doctor. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I think you're a body doctor. You're not a head doctor. Dr. A was joking. So I need to find another. Is, is there another? Because I know, you know, Dr. Rob is an eye guy. I really think that Dr. A was the only head shrinker. All right, I hope you're okay. Because, see, she could have really helped. Well, no, because, see, well, I also need a, or any of you a urologist, because I mentioned this last time. See, because Dr. A, the shrink, could have helped talk me down from my anxiety. So what happens was, um, a couple of weeks ago, and we're, and, and yeah, we're going to, you know, this is going to get clinical again. A couple of weeks ago, I developed a pain in my, uh, my production facility area. Okay. Let's just call it, let's call it that, shall we? The production the re the reproductive facility the the yeah okay the cloning area no anything you know what I'm saying so I developed a pain in that in the area upon which production is maintained maintained okay and that's one of those things that you don't expect but you think well you know maybe I uh, right I had some sort of blunt force trauma. Of some kind, uh, right? Either here or there on a bike. I rode a bike with my son. My son and I rode bikes, which we haven't done in five years. Suddenly we have it in our heads. We're going to ride our bikes. It could have been that. I don't know what's going on. All I know is that I feel like I have suffered a blunt force trauma to my, my, right? My family line insurance policy okay well when you have the feeling that you've suffered a blunt force trauma in the area in your heavage no it's not working for me but you know what i mean listen that's a little disconcerting but honestly you figure out hey listen i got punched in the sack you know what i mean like some something happened in a couple of days it's going to go away so in a couple of days it doesn't go away and then i start thinking because i'm trying to you know, remain calm. I start thinking, well, but Dan, you're not that young anymore. It takes you a little while longer to heal than it did when you were younger. And you might got a in the right. So now that you're the age you are, and I, I'm almost an unspeakable age, by the way, which I'm not going to discuss any longer, but I'm almost like, I didn't used to worry about my age. I'm almost my next birthday. Unspeakable. 
I used to never want to lie about my age, worry about my internet. That's it. I'm lying at, from now on. That's it. I'm done, but I'm not young anymore. And there's no way around it. There's no way to, right? There's no semantic bull crap that I can, it's all, it's just like, if I, listen, I've had an, I've had a long run. So I'm thinking, well, because you're not young anymore, Dan, um, and you have all these other pains, you know, maybe you're just not healing as fast as you used to heal. Because now I have trouble with my feet. Now one of my knees hurts for no reason. Now maybe part of the problem is I'm not exercising. Maybe that's the problem is I'm getting no exercise whatsoever. And so my body is rejecting me. My body's trying to tell me things like exercise and the only, right? And it's, it's like, listen, you got to exercise or we're going to make you hurt. So I think maybe, okay, so a couple of days go by and it's still kind of hurting. So I think, okay, well, maybe a couple more days because I'm not young. Double more days go by and I'm like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. But the day that I decide that I really need to do something about it is, of course, Friday at 6. And as you can imagine, the downside to making this realization on a Friday afternoon at 6 p.m. is that it's the weekend. And you're not really going to get in to see your doctor until Monday at uh, 11. And that's only if you can get in to see, right? That's assuming a lot of assumptions. So I spend the next two days trying not to completely successfully convince myself that I have cancer of the Lance Armstrongs. Do you understand? But no matter what I tell myself, I am convincing myself in no uncertain terms that I have somehow developed cancer of the Lance Armstrongs. Now, I know full well the cancer of the Armstrongs is a young man's disease. I have a friend or two that have had cancer of the jewels. They had it when they were in their 30s. That's when you get it. I'm not in my 30s. Let's not rub it in. But it still could be that because it feels like I got punched, right? little speed bag action, and now it's not going away, and I'm probably dying. And I'm probably dying, and I should be, I'm dead by now. I thought I was going to die my whole life before I was 34 because my uncle died of some sort of what pancreas cancer or something when he was 35 or 32. So why wouldn't I be dead at 35 or 32? I'm way beyond 35 or 32. So I'm probably going to die tomorrow before I even get into the urologist's office. No, I don't want to worry my wife. My wife is very worried about a lot of things already. She has a lot of job stress. And so I don't want to worry my wife. So I don't talk to her about it on the weekend. I told her a little earlier, like, hey, honey, feels like I got punched. But I didn't be like, honey, I'm freaking out. I didn't want to do that to her because I didn't want to freak her out. Now, should I have told her? Yes. Did I? No. And so what we did is we spent the weekend buying a new car while I thought I was dying. And I know that I'm not dying, but I'm positive that I'm dying. And we're literally signing the papers and I'm running around back and forth, but we're sitting in the finance guy's office. No, no matter what, even if you get a loan somewhere else, which we did, we went through the credit union. I go to the Screen Actors Guild credit union. That was a couple of trips. Holy cow. But right, we're not going through Volkswagen. We bought a Volkswagen. We're not going through them. We're not, we don't need your money. But we still have to sit with a guy for an hour talking about how we're not financing with them. And should we get the extended coverage and the extendo extended, extended coverage and how great that is. And the whole time I'm like, dude, I'm dying. But I suppose if I really do die, my wife can keep this new car and sell the car that I've been driving around. She's not going to want to keep drive that car anyway. That was kind of my car and 
I'll be dead from testicle cancer. From undetected weekend testicle cancer. I don't know if I was wearing my jeans too tight. They didn't seem too tight, but obviously something horrible has gone wrong and I'm dying. But at least my wife can drive the new car to my funeral. It'll be fine. So on Monday morning, I call my uh, urologist. Now, I've been to a couple of urologists a while ago, so I had a couple to choose from. But the main, I decided I'm going to go to the main one that I went to, not the guy I went to once for a second opinion. I want to go to the first opinion guy. And I don't know why. I think it's because the second opinion guy has like seen my privates fewer times. So I figure I'm going to go to the guy that really has seen my privates the most. Like if there's any man on the planet that has seen my junk the most, it's him. Dr. whatever. I can't even think of his name right now. I'm going to call him Dr. Austin. That's not even his name. I don't know who doc. I think Dr. Austin is a orthodontist that my son doesn't go to. So that's not that Dr. Austin. I'm just using that as a pseudonym. Okay. I don't go to an orthodontist to look at my privates for some reason. Just when I was trying to think of an alias for my real guy, I thought of Austin, even though that it really is a guy. So when I say I showed my penis to Dr. Austin, I'm not talking about Dr. Austin, who's an orthodontist in Santa Monica. I'm talking about my urologist who's in that same building in Century City where all my other doctors are. You know what I'm talking about? Because there's this one building that I apparently go to for everything. My podiatrist is there, my foot guy, who I love. Love my foot guy, I'm telling you. I've told you this a hundred times. If if I've succeeded at nothing else in my life, I have a wonderful battery of doctors. My podiatrist is there. Love him. My main doctor's there. You know, Dr. Ronald Sue. That's his real name. I don't care. I'm telling you, I've always told you Dr. Sue's real name because I will never say anything bad about Dr. Ronald Sue. So I'm free. I'm free. to. I'm, I'm just free. I'm free to say I love Dr. Ronald Sue because I'm telling you, he's like a spy. He's like... He's as cool as a like a Japanese American spy from some kind of James Bond movie. That's that's Dr. Ronald Sue. My son's gorgeous orthodontist is in that same building. And apparently my urologist, Dr. Austin, whose name is not really Austin. I just named him Austin. And now I may never think of his name. He's also in that building. So I called Dr. Austin's office. And I call, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning or 10, whenever I thought they would be open, I called and I get the receptionist and I tell her that I would like to see the doctor. And I tell her that I've been to the doctor before, but it's been a long time. And she says, um, when would you like to see the doctor? And I say, as soon as possible. And I make sure that instead of being polite and being charming and all those things that, you know, you kind of try to be when you're on the phone. I let myself just sound as soon as possible because I clearly think that I have testicular cancer. Can I just come in and can he roll those bad boys around a little bit and make me cough and take a urine sample or blood test, whatever he needs to do. He, I just, I, I need to get into your office, have some sort of examination and get out of your office. Cause I need, I need to either be pronounced dead or living. I need, there's a thing that needs to, I gotta get it done. I gotta go. Please, God, please. So she says, can you be here by 1030? I say yes. And I literally jump in the car. I think I'd already showered because you have to shower before you show your guy, your guys to a guy. You you got it right. There's some there's some instances you can't even if you think you're dying, you got to shower first. Right. You cannot even if you think you're really you got like 10 seconds to live. If you're going to go to a doctor or a dentist, right? It's like a date. You got to shower it up. So I, so I had showered or I had to shower or maybe even, I don't know, but I, I, I got there. Now, because it's been so long since I've been there, it's been like seven years or whatever they said. They said, well, you know, technically, you know, in a way <laughs> you're kind of a new patient. So here, fill out all these papers. So I got to fill out all these, my life history and then this and the privacy form and all those things. And it seems like every time I go to a doctor, not the kids, but every time I go to a doctor, I got to fill all this crap out. So 
pages and pages, and he has a very charming assistant. And she's having me fill out all the things, and then she's like, oh, wait, no, I got a, really a ream of papers. And then, so then, she has me pull down my, or pull open my pants, open, open. She has me open my pants, and I'm kind of like, are you, not, are you a doctor? Because I didn't think that an attractive 40-something African-American woman was going to be asking me to pull down my, do you understand? I thought it was going to be bald Dr. Austin. I didn't think it was going to be you. I didn't, I, there's, we're, there's a line here that we're about to cross because you're kind of, right, young and funny and kind of attractive and everything. Can we not do this? Can, can someone else, can you get like a troll or a droid to come in here and administer whatever kind of weird ass thing you're about to do? But they had taken a urine sample or whatever. All right, hold on. But they had me do a, you know, a urine sample. And uh, I'm trying to move my chair. They had me do a, a, a thing where I, 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 I guess I'll go. Hi there. I, I don't know if I'd ever done this before, but you've given a urine sample before. Obviously, we all have. But this, this was the thing where she had me go in this room with this, and there's a special toilet in there. And she says, go in there. 95%. And then just give me a little bit in this cup. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah. And I, and I, I had forgotten about this me, me, you know, medical toilet. I always thought it was a regular toilet and a cup. This is a medical toilet and a cup. So I have to pee in a medical toilet and I feel kind of bad that I'm not like doing better because it's measuring obviously the flow and the volume and the this and the that. I don't know what the hell else, but you know, I feel like I'm being tested and I'm about to see. So then when, so she goes back, right? She takes me to an exam room and she gives me those papers again because there were a couple others I didn't fill out or I didn't realize they were two-sided or whatever. And then she's, she takes the forms. And again, I'm telling you, she's like this, you know, this attractive-looking African-American woman, very professional-looking. She's got the, like, the beautiful dread thing happening. She's very charming and witty. And then she's like, okay, well, sit up, open your pants, and then lay down on the, on the thing. And I'm, like, I'm like, where are we going here? Because I know you're being a professional. I'm just not so sure I'm going to be a professional about this. There's a reason I go to a male urologist. Because this is male territory. I want this to be completely, right, just like neutral. Okay, neutral territory. And I don't know your background. You're a lovely woman. Are you qualified to be doing this? What's happening? Open your pants and pull them down a little, and then lay down on the thing. This isn't right because listen, I, I, I'm. <laughs> see, I don't have problem. Pro, I don't have reaction problems. Do you understand? There's no problem with reaction to to visual, mental, oral, and stimuli of any kind. Okay, There's, we've got to we've got to just remain calm here. And not think of this as the the first time that I've undone my pants in front of a woman that wasn't my wife since about 19, uh, well, I don't even know when. It was the 80s. So she, obviously, complete professional. I just focus on being charming and talk let's just talk what are you what are you doing tell me what what are you doing that i'm taking opening oh well i just have to basically she's got like an ultrasound thing whatever they use like a sonogram or an ultrasound or something and she's making sure there's no pee left in my bladder and i gotta tell you something nothing has made me feel more like an old man for some reason than having a woman use a medical instrument to see if i left any pee pee in my bladder So then she, so she's finished with that. And then she says, the doctor will be right in. And then she leaves right away. And so now I'm sitting on the paper covered bed thingy with my pants open and my, right, my boxer slightly askew. And then the doctor comes in and then, and he says, well, how are you doing? You know, because seven years, the, the new patient why don't you come on in my office? So he leaves the room and he's waving me into his office and I'm walking 
into his office, which is slightly down the hallway with my pants open. Now listen, I know this is okay for you because you work here, and I know you work here. I know this is all in a day's right work because you work here. I'm not work. I don't work here. I am he, right. I can you can I take a moment and buckle up? Do I is this part of the examination that I'm supposed to like testing me to see if I'll walk around with my pants open? My pants are open. Why are my pants open if we're gonna just sit and chat? So I'm I'm like, is that okay? Am I buckle my pants? Well, I'm not dying. I mean, I'm dying. We all, I'm, trust me, I, at my age, I'm dying. At my exercise level, I'm dying. I'm dying here. I'm going to die on this property of, of boredom and loneliness and lack of exercise. Some sort of 30 rock overdose. That's how I would like to die, though. I'd like to die here in my house, sitting on the sofa with my, my family around me, watching 30 Rock and, and contemplating that, that little area right between them during a joke. So I have no, I have no idea how, how long I've been talking, but I'm just going to tell one more thing, and then I'm going to go. So, and I don't remember when this was, but it was in January. And in January, and I knew... Right, that's all I've talked about. I knew January, January, sick and tired, you've been hanging on me. Well, I knew January was um, going to be all about this, you know, high school applications and financial aid and taxes and all that stuff. I knew that. And I was very stressed out about it. And that's all I did, or at least that's all I thought I did. But I was also doing all my other stuff too and stressing out and, uh, you know, panic eating. So, ah. Uh, Try to move my chair again. I'm sorry. So, um, the a weekend was approaching about halfway through January, and I got a message on Facebook from uh, a guy that I know, one of our one of the listeners of this these these conversation these pro this whatever this podcast. I don't want to say podcast. Uh, never mind. So, I got a message on Facebook from one of the listeners of the show named Flores. I hope that's how you pronounce it because that's how I'm going to say it for the next several minutes. So the message from Flores uh, on Facebook is, uh, so my flight gets in from Las Vegas to LA at uh, about uh, you know 8.30 in the morning. Can't wait to see you. Uh, blah, 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 Flores. And I had forgotten that I was going to meet Flores on January, whatever that Saturday was. Because earlier in the, well, not early, like uh, in December, November, I, I don't even remember when it was, he wrote me. And he said, hey, you know, I don't know if you remember me blah, 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 from the show, which I did. I remembered we'd had some contact about something. Uh, you know, I'm going to be in, the. he's from Belgium. I hope I have this right. He's from Belgium. Or some such. And he said, listen, I'm going to come, I'm coming to the States for a computer electronics expo or whatever that's called. Computer electronics show, consumer electronics, consumer electronics show. God, that's sad. And, um, in Las Vegas and, um, you know, I, I have a little flexibility in my travel and, uh, you know, if I come to LA, can we meet up or whatever, whatever. And he may have even said, uh, at that point that he was making us a, a special trip he would make a special trip or somehow his, you know, whatever to come to LA to, to meet me, to see me, to, to, you know, get Froyo or whatever. Now, um, you know, that's kind of a weird thing. No, no, I didn't put that right. That's kind of an unusual thing for me. I don't get messages that often where people say, Hey, you don't, you don't know me. I listen to your show. Let's get together. Now, the flip side of that, though, is, of course, everybody that I've ever met that listens to the show, you know, been great. I mean, it's been great. I used to go to those podcasting expos or whatever in Ontario and then in Las Vegas or pod this or pod that. And it was always a great 
experience. But I don't believe I had ever met someone, met with someone who was just a listener of the show. And what I mean by that is, the, the, like, I've had people come here to my house or that I've met or whatever, but that I knew them. I also knew them through their podcast. Or like Seth Harwood, writer, podcaster Seth Harwood, and I have met a couple times. Uh, but I already knew Seth when he came here. Or, um, you know, Ben's, what's Ben's last name? Saunders? Sanders? Saunder? Sander? Saunder? Uh, the, you know, the creator of Brini Maxwell uh, came here because I was a fan of his work. And we just kind of, you know, one of those things, right? Well, Flores being Belgian doesn't speak English in the podcasts that he does or on his old radio show. He'd been a broadcaster in Belgium. I hope it's Belgium because I'm going to feel like a real ass if it's not. So everything that I had ever listened to, I didn't understand. So I wasn't going into this situation knowing him at all. And I guess that's the difference. But I knew that, like, for instance, my buddy Tim Coyne from the Hollywood podcast, he had done that before. People had contacted him and said, hey, Tim, we're going to be in town, taking the family to Disneyland or whatever. Would love to, uh, you know, buy a cup of coffee or whatever. And he had done that. And he had always had a great experience. But, you know, Tim is more social than I am. And Tim doesn't have a family. And Tim is Tim. And I'm, you know, Dan. But I thought, listen, instead of, like, putting this guy off and not making it happen, I should say yes and make this happen. There was another listener who um, wanted to meet. And it didn't, something came up, some weird thing got messed up and I couldn't get together with him. Right. Who was it? I think it was Brennig. How do you say that? Is it Brennig? From Oxfordshire. I think it was Brennig Jones. Oh, I said your name. Ah, too late. <laughs> I think it was Brennig. But anyway, because he was in town from England. Someone was in town from England. Pretty sure it was Brennig. And um, something happened and it got messed up and I couldn't meet with him. And I felt really bad about it because how often is he in the United States? And he actually gave a crap, of, right? So I, so whenever Flores contacted me, I decided to not Dan it and just right put the kibosh in the whole thing. And I was going to get together with this guy. So then suddenly, you know, I get this message on Facebook. Hey, it's, it's Friday. It's time. And I'm like, holy crap. And I had really been in, in this weird tunnel of paperwork and trying to get back together, trying to get things back together for the new, you know, the new year and everything. So he and he was very cool about the whole thing is, you know, let me know where you want to meet and I could come, you know, I'll meet you near your place or anywhere. Just, you know, let me know. Well, the truth is, I mean, when someone's flying in to see you and you live literally two seconds from the airport, you'd really have to be some kind of jerk to say, why don't you meet me somewhere outside of the airport at my convenience? Like that, that would just be a dick move because honestly, to get out of the airport and to get anywhere, how would you do like, how would you do that? You'd have to take a, a bus, I guess. You have to get some kind of city bus that would take you out of the airport and then you have to navigate another bus to get wherever the hell you were going. It just didn't sound cool. So I told Floris, um, listen, text me or call me or whatever. When you get in, I will just come and get you. It's 830 in the morning or whatever, but I got to get up anyway because uh, it's, you know, I got kids. And... Um, it may have even been our first weekend back or whatever. We were semi celebrating my wife's birthday that weekend. So I didn't really want to, you know, make a day of it, but I really, right. So I was going to, that was the plan. I was going to get up, go meet him. I'm going to go get a coffee or whatever. And then, um, I don't know what ever. So at whatever time in the morning, he, I think he called me and I was, I couldn't pick up the phone. It's getting into the shower, or out of the shower or something. There was some, one of those many things, maybe I was doing dishes, but I couldn't pick up the phone. And he left a message and said, you know, I'm here. I'm at this gate. 
or uh, this terminal, whatever, whatever. So the, the plan was that he was coming in on Southwest and that's terminal one, which is the very first one. That's why they call it terminal one. But what it means is I just basically pull in. He's going to be right there. I get him. I'll take the little shortcut. We'll be out of there. It'll be awesome. So, um, I go over to the airport and I think he had texted me or we were texting or something. I forget. But anyway, I, I go to terminal one and I pull in and he has described to me in great detail exactly where he's standing and what he looks like, what he's wearing. He's wearing a green kind of army green, U S army green colored coat and khaki colored pants, not slacks, my friend, relax. And, um, you know, he's bald shaven and I think he was going to wear, he was going to have sunglasses on. So I drive along and I don't see him. 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 And the thing is you can't exactly pull up to the curb and park and wait. Even if you're waiting for a Belgian, you cannot do that. You have to keep it moving, buddy, or they will lovingly give you a ticket. So I don't see him. I don't see him. I don't see him. I don't see him. So I pull away and I think, oh, this stinks. So now I have to drive around the airport until I can go back around. Because for some reason, I think if you go in terminal one to the thing where you get spit out for terminal one is on the other side of the shortcut I thought I was going to be able to take that takes you straight over to seven. So you end up going from one you got to go all the way around through the international terminal, all the way around one, two, three, four, Bradley international, the seven, and then back around. So I come back around. I'm almost to terminal one again. Some old guy almost T-bones me in the intersection. I'm not really clear what he was thinking. So I go again and I look and I don't see him. And so I decide I'm going to call him. So I get the number from his, uh, from the Facebook message, I guess it was. And I call him and my phone says that it won't make an international call. Now I thought all phones, cell phones made international calls, but I, I guess not. But he was able to call me from his cell phone. Maybe he, because right, knowing he was coming to the U S maybe he turned on his international thing. I hadn't turned on any international thing, so I couldn't call him. I can't. So now I can't call him. I can't call him. And I don't remember if I had tried to text him and it wasn't working or whatever. So I go back around again. And just as I'm pulling up, I think to myself, you know where he is, Dan? He's upstairs. He's upstairs in the departure area and not downstairs at the arrivals. Somehow he has sidestepped the escalating situation that takes you down, and he's up at the ticketing level, and that's why I'm not seeing him, and he's wondering where the hell I am, and I'm wondering where the hell he is. He's right directly above my head right here and now. And as I'm saying this, I see him come walking towards me saying I was upstairs. Now, I don't know what to do with this Belgian guy. Luckily, Floris is a great guy, very smart, very funny, easy to be with. It was great. It was kind of, he just kind of reminded me of a couple of my old friends. So I was very relieved because, you know, you don't know. Listen, you don't know. I can't do all the talking. I talk nonstop on these recordings, but then I don't say anything until the next recording. I really don't. So I, I can't carry a stranger around talking for t too long. I, I can't do it. So we talked about this, talked about this. he's basically reinventing radio as we know it, which, you know, no small feat. So I think we ended up going to Venice. And um, we ended up parking. We walked up because we wanted to get a you know a cup of coffee or something to eat. I think he needed to eat. So we we go into this one of the few places that I actually know of in Venice that I don't think has changed hands much in the last 20 years. So it's still the place you expect it to be. It's open, whatever. So we go in there and I'm going to get a coffee and he, he orders uh, some kind of sandwich and in there. And you know, you never, when you're in California, you don't know, you're going to see a celebrity, right? 
And in Venice, so so you're in Southern California, so you think you could see a celebrity. And then you're in Venice, which is a specific thing. And you think, well, if I'm in Venice and I see a celebrity, it's going to be a specific kind of celebrity. It's going to be a Venice. Venice is a little edgier. It's a little weirder. Venice is where Muscle Beach is. Venice is, the, the Venice boardwalk is where all the crazy performers, right? There's like guys juggling chainsaws and running across broken glass. And there's like the, you know, the naked guitar hippie type guys and the, the, and the, just row upon row of medical marijuana shack up and down the beach. Who do I see in the coffee place in Venice, literally 10 feet from Muscle Beach and the crazy guitar juggling naked hippies? Matt Lauer, host of the Today Show. And then I realized that I think he's with, I couldn't tell at first if it was maybe like his girlfriend or wife or whatever. I think he was actually with the other, the new co-host, the woman that basically squeezed out Ann Curry, my favorite. Oh, Ann. Oh, oh, Ann. Ann, dear Ann Curry, you got me through the early childhood years, child rearing years, excuse me. But I could just sit on the sofa and bottle feed a baby and and you would tell me what was going on in the world, Anne. And you never lied to me. You looked me straight in the eye, Anne. Those big, beautiful eyes. You were my newscaster, Anne Curry. And you were squeezed out by that tiny little moron. I don't even know her name. I don't want to know her name. I don't want to know her name. And I certainly don't want to know where she gets coffee when she's in Venice with Matt Lauer. I don't want to know it. So we're in Venice and we're going to get coffee and there's a celebrity sighting, a double-headed celebrity sighting, and I'm with a tourist who's from Belgium. Belgium, where they don't have the NBC Today show. Belgium, where Matt Lauer and who whatever her name is that squeezed out Ann Curry, they're no one. I mean, I couldn't have seen somebody that there was some chance of like, you know, David Duchovny from the X-Files, something like that. Like, we couldn't have... No, like even Schwarzenegger, he used to work out over there, his gym, right? You couldn't give me Schwarzenegger? No, Meatloaf, I could have, I would have rather seen Meatloaf than Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer, I don't think, translates on any level to the Belgian population. We had a great time. We just hung out and talked and then... uh we went across the street and walked up and down the, the boardwalk there. What are they called? Venice Beach Boardwalk? Venice Strand? Venice? Whatever. Because, you know, he wanted to see Muscle Beach and, uh, you know, some freakies, you know, some bootleg T-shirts, some ganja. But then my free time was up because I did have to go back because we had made birthday plans with my wife. I think that was the day we ended up taking her to the movies. And I felt kind of bad. I, I, I mean, I, I knew, I knew, I knew he had no expectation whatsoever of us exactly making a day of it. You understand? We're not, you know, romantically involved. We're not old high school chums. We're strangers in that way. And he was very upfront. And he said, no, you know, he, he had no expectation of like us, you know, whatever. And I certainly did because I really. You know, it was a hard enough shoe- shoehorning myself out of the orbit that is my normal life. But I really felt like a, like a, a, you know, insert swear word here. When we parted, because I could have hung out with Floris all day. And, you know, gotten dinner and then dropped him off at the airport again. And I really hit home. That I don't get out much. And it also really hit home that I'm being serious and very sincere when I say my friend, my friend. Don't think I don't know it. Don't think I know it. Don't know it. You know what I mean, my friend.
Well, that's it for this bitterest pill. I hope that uh, ticking sound wasn't annoying you as much as it was annoying me. I promise. Before before we speak again, I will have at least ordered the new mixer or input device, whatever thing I need to get that to stop doing that. Holy cow, that's annoying as hell. Anyway, listen, thanks for listening. Flores, thank you so much for making me get out of my house and walk on the beach, even if it was only for a little while. I really appreciate it. It was great fun uh, meeting you. Best of luck with everything. I would say something to you in uh, your native tongue, but I don't know any words in your native tongue. I like zero. Um, thank you all for uh, listening, Dr. A. I hope you're okay. And um, yeah, that's that's about it. What can I tell you? All right, babies. Listen, I'll talk to you soon. Um, have a great week. And uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, my friend. Goodbye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 